Well, hey, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to Cultivate Church Online. We're honored that you're here tuning in wherever you're listening from. Maybe you're our guest today. Maybe this is the first time you've tuned in to Cultivate Church Online. Hey, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in, joining with us. I do want to invite you to Cultivate Church Physically, we meet at Alabaster and Columbiana campuses every Sunday at 9 and 10.15 a.m. There really is nothing like gathering together, worshiping Jesus together. You'll experience worship. You'll love it. You'll meet some new people. Uh, please join us one day. Uh, come soon. Be a part of what God's doing at one of our physical locations. Well, if you've got notes, go ahead and pull those out. We're in a brand new series we've titled Vintage. We're coming out of January where we uh, taught a series entitled 10, Multiplying God's Purpose in Your Life. I loved that series. If you didn't uh, get to see it, you can tune in. You can go to cultivatechurch.tv and you can check all of our messages. They're all archived there. We celebrated 10 years in January and then we talked each week about how to multiply God's purpose in our life in 2022. And today uh, we're beginning this series called Vintage and really we're talking about timeless, some would say old principles. Culture loves to look at the Bible many times and say it's outdated, it's old, it's archaic, it doesn't speak culturally, it's not relevant to today. And what we would say is actually it's vintage. That word vintage means it is something that's dated. It is older, but it carries great value, great value. Many of you seen, maybe you've drove down the road and you've seen a vintage car. You know, many vintage cars now, they're old school cars. There's models of vehicles that are just old. They've been around for a long time, but they've been well taken care of. And many of them are more expensive now than any new vehicle that you would get. That's what we would call vintage. It's, it's older, but it has great value. And today we're going to begin talking about vintage Roles. And all month long, we're going to be talking about timeless principles, biblical principles, principles that were laid out thousands of years ago. They're not old. They're not archaic. They're not uh, date, outdated. They're vintage. They carry incredible value to what God would want to do in your life. Here's what I think. I believe that if we would begin to live our lives submitted to the truth of God's word, these vintage principles found in God's word, that God would begin to do in us and through us more than we really could ever ask, think, or imagine. So I'm going to read our theme verse, we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into some principles, some timeless principles, vintage principles about our relationships, our marriages. If you're married, this is going to challenge us. It's going to speak to our life. If you're not married, this is going to challenge you to begin to walk out, submit your life to the truth of God's word, because one day the gift of marriage may be given to you. You may have it. You're going to walk into that relationship. You're going to marry that person, and you're going to be able to live your life on purpose in a way that honors God. So let's read our theme verse. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, A time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound, wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They'll reject the truth and they'll chase after myths. So they'll, re they'll reject the truth, they'll chase after myths. There's going to come a time where people no longer listen to sound, wholesome teaching. They're going to follow their own desires. 
They're going to rename, relabel, reinvent what has always been known as truth. I don't think there's ever been a time more like the time that we're in now. The culture we live in now that has been, that has rang more true to that passage of Scripture. Specifically speaking as it relates to marriage even. We live in a culture that really by and large has redefined in its own definition. They've redefined what marriage actually is. Culture would love to look at biblical principles and say that it's archaic, that it doesn't work, that, that it's outdated specifically in marriage, specifically in marriage. They'll look at what the Bible has taught and what the Bible continues to teach, and they will say, if you believe that, then, then you are so out of date, then you're not even relevant. How, how could you possibly live your life submitted to what the Bible calls true and actually think that you're doing well in marriage today. Culture looks at uh, the marriage relationship in America and you see the statistics where um, over 50% of marriages end in divorce and they would look at that and go, hey, that's even the same in the local church. But what if I told you if you actually looked, not just people who call themselves believers, not at just people who say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but really don't live their life submitted to the truth of God's word, do you know this? Statistics actually say that believers who are devoted to their faith and committed to their local church, meaning devoted to their faith, meaning they submit to what they think they believe is the truth of God's word. They submit themselves to the word of God. That is the, that is the basis on which they live their lives. That is the, uh, the answers that they go to. How do I make a decision? Whatever the truth of God's word is to the best of my ability, I'm devoted to that. People who do that are actually up to 95% less likely to end in divorce. What that tells me is that the truth of Scripture works. When we submit ourselves to the truth of God's word, when I submit my marriage to the truth of God's word, it brings blessing in my life. Obedience precedes blessing all the time. Every time when I submit to the truth of God's word, blessing follows. The favor of God would be on our relationship. So let's pray, and I'm going to share with you three principles that I believe are biblical, timeless, vintage principles that the power of the Holy Spirit can, can begin to bless in your lives today. Father, we love you. We're grateful for your word. It is alive and breathing and for us. It corrects us, inspires us, and prepares us and equips us for every good work. So, Father, today we pray that you do that in us. As we open your word, as we share it with one another, as we study it today, that we would walk out of this place, walk out of this moment, walk out of this message, inspired to live our life on purpose in a way that honors you, Jesus. You'll get all the credit for it. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, if you're taking notes, write these down, type these in your notes. Number one, vintage roles. Number one, one role is submit to your husband's. Submit to your husbands. Ephesians 5 tells us, gives us this truth. Wives, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as you would the Lord. Submit to your husbands as you would the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should, should submit to their husbands in everything. Wow. Listen to that scripture. 
That is completely countercultural to anything culture would say would be, uh, would be permissible even in a marriage today. How dare you tell a woman to submit to a man? How dare we say, wives, submit to your husbands as you would the Lord? Many of you may know this already, but of all of the things that God could have used as an example of the gospel, he chose marriage. The gospel being the good news of Jesus, that he came and sacrificed his life, ransoming himself for the sins of the world. One day he's coming back for his bride, the church. He is the groom, the church is the bride. And of all the things that he could have used, he chose marriage. And so he's saying, wives, submit to your husbands as you would Christ. Maybe you would survey your own life right now and you're walking through that in your marriage and you're, you're, you're saying, man, how do we honor God in our marriage? What does it look like? Maybe you're struggling in your marriage today. Maybe it's a struggle. The relationship is a struggle. Maybe uh, over the course of this message, you would just survey and you could ask yourself questions. Am I really? Well, I would give you two barriers, I think, uh, I think are huge barriers, questions you need to ask yourself as it relates to your spouse, as it relates to your husband. Am I, what am I doing in, as it regards to these things? And is it, is it a barrier that's stopping me from being able to submit to my husband like I would Christ. The first question you need to ask is extra in your notes. You want to write this down. Uh, The first blank right there is, what do I think about him? What do I think? What do I think about my husband? What do I allow to come into my mind, to come into my heart, to, to, to kind of settle there? Maybe, you're, maybe you've had a fight or you're frustrated or, or your husband tends to be kind of lazy or he tends to be kind of selfish and he's, in your mind, he pursues his own gain. He's not very, he's not, uh, very family oriented. Maybe he's lazy in your eyes. Maybe he doesn't live up to your expectations and you allow those things uh, to kind of settle into your heart. I've grown to know this in my own faith that how I think will begin to govern what I believe. What I think about a person, what I think about someone, what I think about uh, a, a circumstance in my life, it, if I allow it to stay there, it begins to govern what I believe. The Bible talks about it as, as in the things that we think. In Philippians chapter 4 verses 8 and 9, it says, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts you can talk about, you know what Philippians is about. They're in a rough circumstance, rough situation. There's things that aren't necessarily going right in their lives. But Paul is saying, don't focus on the negative. Focus on the positive. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He goes on, keep putting into practice the things that you've learned from me. What are your thoughts about your husband? Are they positive? Are they negative? Are you allowing the little nitpicky things in your marriage and in your relationship to take control over how you think about him? And is that, is that, is that causing the respect and the honor that you have for your husband to be devalued? His, his value, are you lessening his value based on how you think? Another one is because what I think governs what I believe, it begins to change what I say. So the question you would ask is, what do I say about him? What am I saying about my husband to my friends, to my small group? How many people know the intricate parts of our marriage? How many people am I talking to in my life that think differently about my husband based on how I speak about him? 
Do you know this? The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Love this. It says those that eat of it, those that love it, will eat of its fruit. What does that mean? It means the things that I say, I literally produce in my life. What I say will begin to bear fruit. How negative do you speak of your husband? Do you talk negatively about him to your friends? Do you talk negative about him in your home to your children? Do they have a different view of who their father is based on what you're saying about him? What does that look like for you? What am I saying? Because if I think one thing and I begin to speak those things, that's the reality. It will be hard for me to begin to honor him in submission. To, like I would Jesus, submit to my husband. It's a vintage role. It's a vintage principle. Wives, submit to your husbands. Respect your husbands like you would Jesus. Why? Because his positionally, positionally he is the head of the home like Christ is the head of the church. That is an old school principle that, <coughs> that allows God to bless that portion of your marriage. Number two, this gets into the husbands. Number two, it's another vintage role, the vintage principle. Love your wives. He goes on to talk about it. Ephesians 5 For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, other than instead of blemished, and wrinkled. She will be holy and without fault. Verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. When we read these two expectations, I know when we got into the point one where we said, submit to your husbands, wives, submit to your husbands. And women go, that is archaic. I'll not submit to a man. That's too much for me to be able to do. I can't, I can't bring myself to, that, uh, to, 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 to submit to that principle. That's way old. That's, way, that's not useful in today's culture. And that's just too much to handle. Well, look at the responsibility God places on us as husbands. Far greater a responsibility. This means to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And then goes on to explain this love. He doesn't just give us this uh, broad spectrum, broad idea of what love is. He tells us exactly what it was, that he laid down his life for the church. Jesus sacrificed his deity He literally laid down the crowns of heaven and became human, came to the earth to rescue the church, to rescue us from our sins. Jesus sacrificed everything. God is calling us to sacrifice everything to love our wives. How do I begin to even fathom if I'm even doing that? I'm going to give you some questions to ask. The first one is, do I make her better? Do I make her better? 
I know this, my goal is not to stand before God one day and tell him what level I got to on some game in the metaverse or tell him how good my golf score had gotten or show him all of the trophies I was able to accomplish over the years of my life. God does not care about that. We will not be measured by our accomplishments when we get to heaven. Did you know that, men? We will be measured as husbands. Part of the measuring stick of our lives will be, did you present your wife without wrinkle or blemish? Did you make her better? How am I making her better? Is she growing in her faith? Is she living joyfully? How are her relationships? How are her friendships? Is she enjoying life? That falls on us. God will hold us accountable to the life my wife gets to live. My dreams, desires, and wishes are now totally vanished into the melting pot of my wife's dreams, desires, and wishes. It's what Jesus did. Remember, he left his deity to make us better. He left it to revive us from the dead. He left it. He left all of heaven to come to earth to sacrifice himself for our salvation. Not to gain more crowns or to gain more accolades or to gain more things. He did it for us. You would survey your own life and say, am I I making my wife better? Number two, this one's a huge one. Do I honor her? Do I honor her? It's our responsibility as husbands to create and develop the culture of honor in our homes. A good way to survey that is to ask your kids what they think. How do they talk to their mother? How do they respond when she walks in the room? How do they act when she's present in the home? Ask your kids if, if, you, if they think if you honor her enough. What does that look like? I can tell you that's an easy thing to survey. You can walk into a home and know if, if a wife is honored amongst the family. Our prayers even being heard, the Bible says, is dependent as a husband on how I honor and treat my wife. If we, if we will even want to be heard by God, we would respect and honor and love our spouse, our wives. What does it look like for me to truly love her? It's more than what I say. It's completely dependent on the action that's produced. Love her like Christ loved the church. He did this to present her. He did something. He sacrificed for her. What have you given up for the for the cause of your wife? Are you giving anything up for the cause of your wife? Or are you living your life literally in a selfish mindset to only gain your own desires, hopes, dreams? I would say if you're going to honor God, if you're walking through marriage right now, if you're going to honor God, you need to lay that down for the cause of Christ. Maybe you're here today, you're not married. One day when you walk through those decisions and you make those decisions, are you willing to Submit to your husband like Christ, like you submit to Christ. Husbands, are you willing to lay down your own dreams, desires, goals, and hopes for the cause of this woman that you're hoping to marry? Those are big decisions. Those are vintage principles that I believe the Holy Spirit can begin to use in us and through us to make a tangible, eternal difference in our lives. Number three, if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Enjoy your marriage. 
Wives, submit to your husbands. Love your wives and enjoy your marriage. I love Ecclesiastes 9. 9. It says to live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for your toil. Your reward for all of your earthly toil. What's he saying? Life's going to be difficult. Life's going to be hard. Marriage is a gift. Marriage is a reward. Many of you are listening in right now and you go, it doesn't feel like a gift right now. It doesn't feel like a reward right now. As a matter of fact, Brandon, I can't tell you the last time I've actually been able to say I've enjoyed my marriage. It's more of a battle. It's more of an argument all of the time. It's more anger than happiness. It's more sadness than joy. It's more anxiety than peace. What if I told you today that God wants you to enjoy your marriage? It is a gift from God. I know this, that without fun, romance, sex, and enjoyment, marriage is reduced to a business relationship. You're basically just roommates. And it's real easy for roommates to wear out their welcome, isn't it? But that's different. God wants you to enjoy your marriage. I want to share with you three types of enjoyment. These are, these are different. These are extra on your notes. Write these down somewhere in a, in a blank sheet because I think they're important. If I'm going to enjoy my marriage, what does that look like? Number one, you need face-to-face communication. You need face-to-face enjoyment. Most communication in marriage has evolved many times into schedule keeping, bill paying, and getting the kids from one place to the next. For example, hey, what's for dinner tonight? Do I need to go by the grocery store? When's the power bill due? When do I need to pay the mortgage? What time does the kids need to be picked up from school? Where's practice again? Where's the game? If we were to look over many of your text messages, you have one word answers, one word questions to your spouse. If you're listening, if there was a fly on the wall and you could listen into most of your communication, your face-to-face communication is largely dumbed down to business relationship. But you need to communicate, I think, in some more personal areas. Personally, when's the last time you've just had a communication with your spouse over things that they just enjoy? What are they interested in? Do you know their hobbies? Do you know what they're into? I remember when my wife and I met, I was 15 years old, she was 16, and we used to talk on the phone as much as our parents would allow us to talk on the phone. We wanted to be around each other. We wanted face-to-face communication. We wanted to talk. We would listen for hours, oftentimes, even when we'd ran out of things to say, just to hear one another breathe. Have you ever been there? We had phones at the time that were connected to walls. We really couldn't even get away and find a a private place to even talk. But we listened to one another speak and talk. And we built relationships. Many of us, most of us, I would venture to say all of us, grew at some way, form, or fashion to love our spouse largely through those moments of learning what our interests are and learning what we like and what we don't like and growing relationally to one another. When's the last time you've sat up and just talked about anything? Do you even know what your spouse is into, what hobbies they have, what books they're reading, the things that they're into? You need to talk to them spiritually, face-to-face. When's the last time you've had an open conversation about maybe what the Lord is speaking to your husband or your wife through the Word? Do you pray together? Do you read the word together? 
that face-to-face communication. Hey, sweetheart, what's, the, what's God been speaking to you lately? What have you been hearing from God through the word? Have you spoken spiritually to one another? I would say you need to dream about the future together. Plan a date night and begin to talk about the dreams of the future. What about those times? Can you remember those moments, those times where you sat and talked about the dreams that you had, the the family that you're going to have, the home that you want to have one day, where you would like to retire, what city you would like to live in, what kind of job or career you would hope to have, the dreams and aspirations. I would say that's prophetic. Have you ever spoken prophetically together, face-to-face, where you just dream about the future? I would encourage you, you need to get that face-to-face communication, that face-to-face enjoyment. Number two, this one's huge, and we all love it. You need that belly button to belly button. (laughs) You know what I mean. We need intimacy in our marriage. It doesn't need to only be focused on that, but we must have it. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. They're on your screen. It says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Y'all, there ain't many ways to interpret that other than sexually. Sex was designed by God for marriage. Sex is the only thing designed by God for marriage that can only be enjoyed in marriage. If you're struggling sexually, it's cliche to say in culture, if you want to stop having sex, get married. When it was never designed by God for that, it was supposed to be fully enjoyed in the context of marriage. Sex outside of marriage can be very combative. It can be very destructive. But it was designed by God to be the glue in your relationship as your intimacy grows and overflows into a healthy, God-honoring sexual relationship. Culture views view of sex will ensure that you have limited access to it. Culture's view of sex is all about me. It's all about my selfishness, my desire, my wants. But you'll never find a place in Scripture where God or Scripture or the Bible speaks of sex and does not speak of it in a manner of serving your spouse. A healthy, God-honoring sexual relationship literally is is, is the combat to a selfish attitude. It is the thing God has designed to make sure that we are no longer selfish. But culture says, culture actually develops selfishness in its view of sex. We need God-honoring, healthy sexual relationships in our marriage. And then number three, I would share with you, you need side-by-side enjoyment. You need to enjoy each other's conversation, enjoy each other's company. You need to enjoy each other sexually. It's biblically a God-honoring, healthy sexual lifestyle in, your, in, a, in a God-honoring marriage is far greater than anything culture could drum up false ideas of what culture thinks about sexuality. And then you need side-by-side enjoyment. What does that mean? It means you need to step into your spouse's world. Not only do you need to talk about their, their, uh, their hobbies, the things that they're interested in, you need to go all in. You need to go on work trips with your spouse. Don't just leave them alone. Figure out ways to go on with them. 
You need to take trips together. You need to uh, enjoy their hobbies. If they enjoy fishing, learn what it's about. Get involved in it. If they like golf, get involved. Go all in. Go play golf with them. If it's the grocery store, hey, go all in with your wife, with your spouse. Baby showers, come on, go with them. Attend those things with them. Don't be caught alone all of the time forever without your spouse. Get in. Do life together. Listen to the same music. Get interested in the movies that they like, the books that they're reading. Find out what they enjoy and make it a part of your life. Go all in. I know you don't care, but it's side by side. There's two times when most most likely a spouse will open up. Number one, it's when they're doing something that they enjoy with you and after they've done something that they enjoy with you. Find times to go and do life together. I know this, for us in my marriage, we've decided for better or worse, we're going to enjoy our marriage. God forbid that we wake up one day when our kids are out of the house and we don't know each other anymore. That we're looking across the bed or across the room at a stranger because we've invested all of our time into our kids and all of our time into our schedule and all of our time into our careers. There's a vintage, timeless, biblical principle that says, wives, submit to your husband. What's that mean? Put your husband first. Love your wives. What does that mean? Put your wife first. Enjoy your marriage. What does that mean? means your marriage comes before anything else. That's a biblical, God-honoring principle. It's vintage, thousands of years old, but I can tell you it carries great value in your life today. Maybe you're here today and your marriage is struggling. We're going to spend a moment, just a special moment right now, praying over every marriage under the sound of my voice. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would rebuke the enemy, rebuke the devourer, where he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he could ever destroy a family, he can destroy their witness for the gospel. And God, I pray for every husband, every wife right now. God, I pray that you would bind them together with the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name that you would turn their affection toward one another. God, that your timeless, biblical, vintage principles would take root into our hearts, into our minds. They would be good. We would put them to practice and we would allow you to bring blessing and faith on our marriages. Father, that, they, that our, our romance would grow, our intimacy would grow, uh, our, our relationship and friendship would grow inside of our marriage, that it would be an incredible example to the world of the gospel of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you're restoring relationships back to one another. Maybe you're here today, you're tuning in, and you can't really fathom understanding all of those things because ultimately you really don't have a relationship with Jesus. I would say for, for you to be able to submit to timeless vintage principles in his word, you first have to submit to him. And you're here today and you say, I need a relationship with Jesus. You would say, Father, forgive me of my sins. I'm so sorry I've done it in my own strength. I've made decisions in my own ability. I'm tired of doing it in my own. Jesus, I confess you as my Savior. I accept you as my Savior. From this day forward, I'm going to follow you as my Lord. I'm so thankful for your love and for your grace that you died on a cross for my sins to rescue me back to the Father. So from this day forward, I'm going to live a life on purpose that honors you. Thank you for salvation. You'll get all the credit out of my life from this day forward in Jesus' name.